0: The following audio interview may contain forward-looking statements as that term is defined in Section 27A of the United States Securities Act of 1933 and Section 21E of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. Statements in this interview which are not purely historical are forward-looking statements and include any statements regarding beliefs plans, expectations, or intentions regarding the future, including but not limited to any products sold or cash flow from operations. Actual results could differ from those projected in any forward-looking statements due to numerous factors. Such factors include, among others, the inherent uncertainties associated with distribution and difficulties associated with attaining financing on acceptable terms. These forward-looking statements are made as of the date of this audio interview, and we assume no obligation to update the forward-looking statements or to update the reason why actual results differ from those projected in the forward-looking statements. Although we believe that the beliefs plans, expectations, and intentions contained in this audio interview are reasonable, there can be no assurance that such beliefs, plans, expectations, or intentions will prove to be accurate. Investors should consult all of the information set forth herein and should also refer to the risk factors disclosure outlined in our most recent annual report for our last fiscal year, our quarterly reports, and other periodic reports filed from time to time with the security. Securities Exchange Commission. Welcome, everyone. Today is October tenth, twenty eighteen, and this is the investor conference call for Night Food Holdings Incorporated. They are traded under the ticker symbol NG. TF. We are joined today by the founder and CEO of Night Food Holdings Incorporated, Sean Folkson. Now we've done a couple of these calls in the past already with Sean, and this time around we've gotten a lot more questions than we have in the past. So we even had to combine a few questions that were similar, but as opposed to getting the lay of the land from Sean, we want to get your questions answered. So we're going to jump right into those questions after, of course, we welcome Sean to the show. Sean, how are you today? Great, Stuart. How are you doing? Doing excellent. Thank you so much for uh, calling in and addressing your shareholder questions. And obviously, the company's put out a ton of news, so I uh, I see the correlation with uh, all the news and now all the questions and interests. So, like I said, let's jump right into those questions. And the first question has to do with that ice cream. And it says, what stores will night food ice cream be in? Will it be national or regional chains? and what is the timing for the rollout? So they were able to squeeze in three questions there. Sean, go ahead.
1: Yeah, there definitely been a lot more uh, questions, and I think we've got a lot more people paying attention, which uh, which makes a lot of sense. So uh, in terms of the the, the stores that we're going to be in, uh, we don't know yet, and we even if we knew, we couldn't mention the specific chains. But we have met with some major retailers already, doing a lot of traveling right now. Uh, the retailers are loving the concept, and they... They love our go-to-market plan and, uh, you know, with our team of ambassadors. And obviously, it's pretty unique, you know, when a new brand is able to walk in the door with world-renowned experts and a bunch of pro athletes and, and a clear path and national media coverage and all those things that we bring to the table. So uh, we think the ice cream is going to explode for us. Uh, like I said, we met with two major retail chains last week. The feedback from the buyers was fantastic. I would put... One of those accounts at probably 95% that, uh, that we're going to land them. And the other one, I'd probably put about 80, 85 to 90% somewhere in there. So not quite as certain, but I feel great about both. We've got several more meetings coming up in the next few weeks. You know, it's not easy to secure these meetings. I mean, any company, any new company that tries to launch can tell you that for the buyer to agree to meet. The category manager typically would already have to express interest. And we mentioned in a recent news release, we could end up in over 15,000 supermarket and drug chains here in the next few months, you know, for early 2019. So some of those would be regional, some would be national. Uh, and for this round of meetings, the ice cream would be delivering in February or March, typically be on shelf very shortly thereafter. So if I were an investor, I would take it as a powerful sign when a new company introducing a new product in a space, basically a startup, is able to land some major retail distribution the first year out with a new product. That's something, you know, that investors should probably be paying pretty close attention to.
0: Well, and they are paying attention, Sean, and they're doing their own due diligence. And this is a crowded space. And so the next question kind of as a follow-up to the last question of how you get it on a shelf. Now they want to know, how do you get a product like this off the shelf, Sean?
1: Right. So, you know, when space is crowded, the category managers look for differentiation. It doesn't really do them any benefit to give the consumer eight different kinds of the same exact thing. So they look for differentiation, they look for diversification, really just like smart investors. So uh that's going to help in getting on the shelf. And part of the reason we're so confident in getting on the shelf and why we've gotten such great response to this product is that what we have is really unique and it's one of a kind. So if if a consumer is a nighttime ice cream consumer, really we're their only nighttime specific option. And and that's the thing, it's not a Me Too product. People are already eating ice cream at night. We know that that's when most uh, at-home ice cream consumption occurs. So if you're that person, why not try night food with its sleep-friendly ingredients and, and, uh, and our recipes? And from there, it'll take over with great taste, the nutritional profile, the texture, and that's going to drive repurchase. So obviously, uh, Dr. Michael Bruce, the sleep doctor, he's going to help us spread the word through the media. Uh, for those who don't know, He's been on Dr. Oz about 50 times now. He's on the Today Show and Good Morning America frequently and CBS Early Show and, you know, Rachel Ray and all that stuff. So he's going to help us share this with the media. But here's something that's really interesting that that I just, you know, I thought about when this question was asked. Because there's an X factor here that we haven't really talked about, and it would be a mistake to overlook. And it's it's really relevant here on an investor call because it's unique to us as a public company. So here's the deal. We're going to get on the show. We know that. People are going to love the product. They're going to take it home. They're going to fall in love with it. I know that because I've tried the product and I've seen other people try the product. So, and here's what happens. We have people all the time contact us. They say, oh, I, I ordered some night food bars. I liked them so much I went out and I bought some stock. Well, when people take that ice cream home and they fall in love with that ice cream, some of them are going to hop onto their E-Trade account, their TD Ameritrade, their Robin Hood or whatever, and they're going to grab some shares. And pay attention to where I'm going with this. These are not going to be traders or flippers, but long-term investors, right? investors that just found their new favorite product, and they see night food as the next big thing, the next vitamin water, the next Chobani, right? They see the next big thing, just like the ambassadors that we've recently signed. They they share this billion-dollar vision. Now, here's where that gets interesting. So, of course, enough of that buying pressure from fans of the brand, it could impact the share price, but that's not where I'm going. Where it gets interesting is that now we've got a growing army of investors, owners, Right, literally, owners of the company, just like me, and they're telling their friends, they're telling their family about Night Food Ice Cream because because they want the brand to grow, because they want their investment to grow, and it's an amazingly powerful way to have people learn about a new product in their local supermarket. Right, when a friend or family member tells you, "Hey, I tried this ice cream; it's great. I loved it so much, and I went out and I invested in the company." So, I think the product is so good, and the very fact that our first fans, these early adopters, can literally take ownership. It's going to work in our favor over the next few quarters. It's going to be a positive factor in the growth that we're projecting and more and more consumers hearing about the product. And again, while it may boost the share price in the short run, it's the way that this X factor will support the rapid consumer uptake and the long-term revenue and brand growth, which is, which is the most important thing as I see it.
0: Well, that's a really interesting point, Sean. And obviously it's a lot easier for consumers slash investors to get excited about ice cream than it is about a mining expedition or semiconductors or something like that. So the next question is regarding the launch of MJ Munchies. And here's how the question reads. All the news lately about night food and the ice cream. So what's going on with the half-baked brand? Right. So, uh, yeah,
1: there's been a lot of excitement around the ice cream, but... Uh Obviously, everybody's curious as well about half-baked. So uh, we're 100% moving forward with the launch of half-baked THC-infused snacks in California. Uh, in fact, we just signed an agreement last week to get that going. Uh, the small pilot run we did a few months ago uh, went well, and the most important piece of that was that it helped us uh, secure and be in a position to even apply for the half-baked trademark in the state of California. Now, under the unique circumstances and the way that the uh, U.S. Ah, uh, patents and trademark office is handling trademarks right now on THC and marijuana-related products. Securing that trademark registration in California was a super critical step for us to enhance and protect the value of our intellectual property. So we're very pleased that that was completed successfully. But we're 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 making an investment here in building a national brand, and you need to put the building blocks in place because we all place a huge value on the half-baked name. We needed to ensure. That, that was going to be secured and secure you know, before we put our valuable resources to work there. So uh we expect full launch in California in 2019 with the edibles line. And I want to point something out to people. And and people on this call might know because they probably pay a little bit more attention to the space, but there's a company out there called Dixie Elixirs, very well established brand in Colorado. Uh, and they put out a news release last week and the headline was, and I'm quoting, Cannabis industry's most recognized consumer packaged goods brand going public. Okay. So I saw that, and and something occurred to me. And so I reached out to a bunch of people on the East Coast. Okay. Uh, Some are investors in the space, and others are just regular consumers. And I asked a bunch of people uh, if they've ever heard of Dixie Elixirs, and nobody had. Nobody. So what is important to keep in mind, these brands do not cross state lines. Now, I know Dixie and some of the other companies certainly are looking to go state to state in the states that are legal, but that's still only nine states for recreational, right? There's, there's still a huge majority of the country. It's not legal. So is Half-Baked as a brand name sitting on the shelf better than Dixie Elixirs? You know, we certainly think so. So if you're a new customer, right, walking into a dispenser, I mean, flash forward, you know, 18 months, it's, it's 2020, right? And you're in New York or Texas or Virginia and they just legalized the dispensary's just opened the doors uh and you're walking in for the first time and you see half-baked products on the shelf alongside something called Dixie or some other brands that might have a jump start on us right now uh in some of the other states, but you've never heard of any of them because they're now legal for the first time where you are and we think half-baked is what people are going to respond to, all things being equal. Of course, we need great packaging, we need great products and recipes, but being a year or two behind in the very few states that are currently legal for recreational. Is something we view as a total non-issue, and we think as consolidation continues in the space, as we get running in California and building revenue and a revenue base there, that the value of our asset and the value of the Half Baked brand will increase to where acquisition or a licensing deal with a major multinational is is a pretty likely scenario. So I know it's sometimes hard for traders and for flippers to see past the next few ticks. But the investors and the long-term investors, it's important that they understand the path we're on and the strategic value and the building of the strategic value we're placing on these assets.
0: Well, let's stay in that same vein. When can you let investors know about the patent application from MJ Munchies? How long until you have the patent, and can you tell us what it is?
1: Yeah, I think uh, we're going to be able to make some more known later this quarter, or certainly uh, next quarter when when uh, full rollout of products would hit shelf So we're still probably a couple months away from that.
0: All right. The next shareholder question goes back to the ice cream It says how much revenue do you project next year for the ice cream? What do margins look like and will it be competitively priced?
1: So the, the thing about projections, I mean the main thing is until we know which chains are going to pick us up for 2019 revenue projections are not really possible because you just don't know, you know, we're going to be in 2,000 doors, you're going to be in 8,000 doors, you're going to be in 15,000 doors. I can explain how distribution will translate to revenue. So uh, the retail price on the ice cream should be right in line with other, you know, national brands like Haagen-Dazs or Calentini, Ben & Jerry's, and Halo Top. And we expect the supermarkets that add the night food ice cream line to take what's called in the industry a shelf, which is seven flavors across. So You line the product up, seven flavors wide, that's what fits. So, that's what they call a shelf. So, uh, he, here's something that I think most people are going to find really interesting. I know I did. So, it surprised me when I started to learn in an average supermarket, if you're selling about three to four units per flavor per week, that's a success. So, you start getting below three and, and you're probably in a little bit of trouble. But, you know, I don't think we're going to have that problem. But I just want to illustrate so that for your chocolate, your vanilla, your cookie dough, whatever selling a pint of each flavor every other day, which is three and a half pints a week, you're on a decent clip. So I think and, and I, I believe this, I think most people figure that you have to sell a lot more than that, be doing okay, be doing well. So uh, but even the most popular brands, the most established brand, you don't sell hundreds of pints out of a single supermarket in a week. You know, not Haagen-Dazs, not Halo Top, not Ben and Jerry's, right? You're looking at a few pints a week per flavor per store, and that's good. So let's walk through that map. You've got seven flavors in a store, figure three units per flavor per uh, week. So that, that brings you to 21 pints a week. You're selling enough, you know, to do okay, right? You're not, you're not getting kicked out. You're doing fine. So in our situation, 21 pints a week, that would just be a shade under $60 in revenue per store per week because uh, the pints are going uh, to go into the stores at about three, a little under $3 a pop. So $60 per revenue per week, that translates to a little over $3,000 per year. Per location, now we're talking about being in possibly fifteen thousand stores, right? Uh, now I want to make it clear: most of these would not be the supermarkets just described. So per store revenue would not uh, probably be that sixty dollars per store per week. Some of the outlets might take three flavors instead of seven, uh, or things like that. So, uh, but we're again we're talking to a meeting with buyers from over two thousand high volume supermarkets. That's kind of what I outlined above the supermarkets. Plus other national chains. So, you know, at this point, we're not going to be offering any specific projections because we just don't know how many doors. But once we get a handle on that, uh, we are considering some guidance. Obviously, there are pros and cons to issuing guidance, but it's something we're thinking about. You know, we've studied the growth of a number of companies that followed a similar path to national distribution. We have studied the valuations and the acquisitions, which are consistently measured in the hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. And remember, we've got advisors on our team. Several of them have been involved in these kinds of explosive brands, You know, whether it's Chobani, Five Hour Energy, Ben and & Jerry's. And that's why we brought these guys on, so they can help us navigate what we know is going to happen in the next uh, six to 24 months. So however many doors, I also want to make it clear, however many doors we secure uh, for the first part of 2019 through this wave of meetings, That's not the end of our uh, rollout and expansion. There will be additional meetings throughout 2019. And, of course, in the fall of next year, as we launch into 2020, we expect another big wave. And and we think we're on the cusp of being the next breakout brand. And investors uh, and people on this call should expect to start seeing more and more signs confirming that in the next couple of months as we're able to make some announcements here.
0: Well, Sean, here's a question that gets right to the point. You've been doing the bars for years and just broke 100K last quarter for the first time. What makes you think the ice cream will be a national brand so fast? And related to the question is another one that we've combined in here. What are the ice cream sales targets for three, six, nine, and 12 months?
1: Yes, I I think I kind of answered the second half there in the previous question. But the first part, I mean, look, uh, you got to love it. It's, It's direct and it's blunt. So, I want to point out that, you know, bar sales do continue a growth trend, uh, which we think will continue for a couple of reasons. One is uh, growing consumer base and improved online marketing system. And the other big reason is uh, that we're expecting massive consumer awareness, which will result from the launch of the ice cream and will create some overflow into the bars. But really the, the key question is why is the ice cream going to be such a huge hit? And, and the answer is it's really about keeping people within their format and getting them excited. So what we've learned is we know what people are eating at night, right? We've spoken to the experts, and we know what the research says, and it's cookies, chips, ice cream, and candy. And people don't want to switch their formats. Ice cream people, you know, they don't want to give up their ice cream for a nutrition bar. And and there's a reason certain formats dominate at night. So rather than try to force the major switch in behavior, right, which which is what exists when all you have is the nutrition bar, because people are not eating nutrition bars at night. So rather than force that, we're not able to give people a better option Within their favorite format, and for a huge number of people, obviously that's that's ice cream at night. So, we took this powerful trend that's been developed over the last few years of less fat, less sugar, fewer calories. You know, the trends that consumers are already following, and added just one more huge and important benefit in our recipes, which is the sleep-friendly ingredients and formulation. So, here's a situation where we're riding the trend; we're not bucking it. So that makes adoption and scale much easier. You know, night food bars are great. But they're still nutrition bars, and people don't get excited uh, about nutrition bars as they do about ice cream, even even my kids. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the major mainstream distribution that we're establishing is going to make it easier to buy because it's going to be uh, where people are shopping. Uh, and also eight flavors instead of two, right, means more variety for the consumer. Not everybody likes chocolate. We get a lot of posts on our Facebook wall, on our ads, too. Not everybody likes chocolate. So here we've got a whole variety of flavors, which means more variety. So. Uh, as the production of the ice cream is complete, Stuart, I also want to let people know, we will make it available for investors and the public to try, uh, any investor considering taking a position or increasing a position in the company, uh, you know, I, I know if, if that were me, I would want to try it, uh, as, as, quickly as I could. So, and when they taste what we've created and are able to view the nutritional facts, I think it'll be easy to understand why we think this is going to be a home run for us. And, and we've seen, the industry has seen two ice cream companies this decade, that basically came out of nowhere and achieved valuations in the billions within just a couple of years, and, and I think we're going to be able to do the same.
0: All right. Well, are there any future plans to potentially add CBD, uh, either the non-THC oil or with the THC, to the ice cream line using the half-baked branding?
1: Yeah. I mean, the answer is no. Um, you know, a couple of reasons: manufacturing and distributing ice cream on a state-by-state basis is probably just business suicide. And, you know, we're working on big ideas that can scale, right? THC can't cross state lines, as we mentioned. Uh, CBD is still something. There seems to still be a lot of confusion in the marketplace. I don't think retail buyers are going to put a CBD ice cream on their shelf this year, not the major chains, and and probably next year as well. And and we're not going to put ourselves and our shareholders in a position of, of entering into legal uncertainty when there are so many great opportunities out there for us, that have zero compliance risk and, and much more scalable upside.
0: All right. Well then what other categories do you see coming into play in the future introductions? Salty snacks, cookie crackers. So in other words, you've got the bars, you've got the ice cream. Where are you going from here?
1: Yeah, so we definitely see night food as a platform brand and we can envision, you know, salty snacks, cookies, cereal, right? Anything people like to eat at night. Uh, but for the next few quarters, on the night food side of things, it's it's really about the ice cream primarily. I mean, when you see a clear path to $100 million in ice cream revenues in, in a couple of years, you know, that's really not the time to launch into other formats. I think before, before that happens, people will see our eight-flavor ice cream line, you know, turn into uh, a 15 or 20 or 22, 25-flavor ice cream line. We've got some great flavors, uh, you know, kind of in the catalog that we want to develop. But right now, I mean... You know, we're not going to start messing with other formats. You know, we're, we're just going to go full speed ahead with the ice cream and, and let the bars come along for the ride.
0: All right, let's talk about the ambassadors. What will the ambassadors be doing, and what is the dilution to the company?
1: Yeah, I think it's a little scary for investors. I mean, they see us landing all these Pro Bowl NFL players and champion golfers and NBA stars and stuff like that. So with all the influencers we've signed in the last few months, I want to point out we have issued stock equal to less than one percent of the company okay which is kind of amazing And you say well how is that possible right how do you get all these famous athletes many of them they've earned more than ten million dollars in their careers they've got huge earning potential some of them are making well you know lots of money we know how much money athletes make right but so keep in mind we've revealed some things to them that have not yet been shared with the public right they've got different information than most of the people on this call do. And and when they see uh, a brand like Night Food, they, they see a parallel for vitamin water. They see Chobani. They see Crave Beef Jerky and Skinny Pop Popcorn and RX Bar and Halo Top and Talenti. And they see Night Food in that same vein, right? As a breakthrough product with billion dollar potential. That's what they see. They see a company that's going to change the snack space forever. And of course, I agree. So, uh, you know, that's why it's been easy to land these guys with. Um, you know, without really, I mean, I, I think we've certainly enhanced our, the valuation of the company uh, for, for less than 1% of the stock. I think we've done great there. Uh, as for what they'll be doing, uh, you know, that's going to be revealed a little bit more in the, in the coming months. We're not going to share specifics at this time. Uh, but people will start to see them activated at some point later this quarter, I think, and certainly very heavily uh, in Q1 as, as the ice cream starts hitting the shelves.
0: Well, Sean, are there any plans to try and get listed on a major exchange?
1: Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, we've, uh, you know, we've had some of those preliminary discussions. You know, we've looked, you know, at the roadmap ahead, at our revenue projections. Um, you know, everybody knows the price requirements of $3 a share. And, of course, the other requirements, balance sheet and income. Um, so we've had some initial discussions. And, and, again, once once we have more visibility on the ice cream distribution, uh, you know, we'll take a look and, and we'll start to really dig in a little bit. Remember, we've got these deep-pocketed athletes that have options to invest. Uh, we've had conversations with some institutional investors who know what's going on with the ice cream, and they've shown some interest in coming in and cleaning out the balance sheet and 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 funding. Uh, you know, the growth phase that we're about to enter once the uh, once the revenue start and the purchase orders come. So. Uh, you know, I certainly think we would be able to qualify next year if we were to make it a priority for ourselves. Um, again, though, we have to decide what's in the long-term best interest of the of the entire shareholder base. And for me, taking equity capital at low valuation uh, like this just to clean up debt, it's, that's not in my playbook. So like everything else, we're going to make the moves when the time is right. But Uplist is definitely something that is um, uh, that's on our radar and something that we will do. Uh, as soon as we think the timing is perfect,
0: well, Sean, that's all the questions that we have for today. Any closing thoughts or comments for your shareholders?
1: Well, I just want to let everybody know that uh, you know we know what we have with night food ice cream. Uh, we've studied the industry, we've got Jim Christensen on board, who's a former Unilever executive, the VP of uh, sales and marketing for their ice cream line, which is Ben and Jerry's and Klondike bar and um, you know, we know that this is an industry-changing product. Um, you know, people can can try it for themselves in a couple of months here, but, uh, you know, we think that this is going to be a total game-changer, and hopefully it's something everybody can get excited about, and when you try it, you'll know exactly, exactly what we're talking about.
0: Well, I'm assuming everybody on this call already knows these links, but hey, maybe you're here for the first time and you want to learn more about the company. The company has developed a dynamic infographic, and that's available at night snacking.com. You can visit the company at ir.nightfood.com or simply nightfood.com. A copy or archive of this conference call is available at smallcapvoice.com. Just click on the clients tab. Sean, thanks so much for your time here today and we'll do it again here in the near future.
1: Thanks as always, Stuart. We'll talk to you soon. All right for
0: Sean folks and this is Stuart Smith saying thanks so much for listening.